0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, this is found on page 1178 of your Pew Bible. 1178 of your Pew Bible, if you'd like to look on there. Uh, the verses that we will look at this morning is Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Which is a very important section of scripture to consider today since this is a Sunday before Christmas, our celebration of Jesus Christ's birth. You see, in the culture that we live in today, it's very easy to get distracted from the real reason of Christmas. If you don't think so, try raising kids for a while. Because of movies, commercials, store advertisements, if you're not careful as a parent... When your children think Christmas, they can think presents, or snow, Santa, family, food, parties. Did I mention presents? And it's not just kids that can lose track of what really matters around this time of the year. We can too. It's very easy to get distracted from the real reason of Christmas. And that's tragic because when we get our eyes off of the real reason of Christmas... We can have the real joy of Christmas stolen out from under us. Think about it for a moment with me this morning. If Christmas in your mind is all about presents, then if you don't get all the loot that you want this year, then you won't have a reason to rejoice or to celebrate. If Christmas in your mind is all about snow, then if you don't get a white Christmas, then you won't have a reason to rejoice or celebrate. If Christmas in your mind is all about maintaining the impression of Santa Claus and the elf on the shelf then if you can't afford to keep up appearances or the elf falls in the chimney and gets burned up, then you won't have a reason to celebrate. If Christmas in your mind is all about family, food, and parties, then if you can't meet with all of your family this year, as many people will not, and celebrate by food and fun with others, then you won't have a reason to rejoice or celebrate. But if Christmas in your mind is all about Jesus then it doesn't matter what happens this year, no one can steal your joy from you. Take the presents, take the snow, take Santa, please. Take the family and the food and the parties away. If I have Jesus, I have joy. And that is true. Why? Because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. This is why we celebrate. We celebrate because of who we know Jesus is and what he has come to do. That's exactly what our passage this morning is going to teach us. I want us to bring us back to the core basics of why this Friday we're going to celebrate something. We're going to celebrate the wonder of Jesus today and the work of Jesus. This is our passage. The wonder of Jesus and who he is in verse 19 followed by the work of Jesus and all that he has done in verse 19. 20 of Colossians chapter 1. When you come to understand and you come to believe the wonder of who this person named Jesus is and the work that he did when he came to earth, then you have a reason to rejoice and celebrate this Christmas no matter what your holidays might be. So with that in mind, let's consider together the wonder and the work of Jesus from Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 through 20. It is written, for in him that is in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the wonder and the work of Jesus, and this is the word of God whose steadfast love comforts us, his servants, according to his promise. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice this morning that we have your word opened in front of us. Father, we know from the promises of your word that when we look therein and we come to understand it by your grace, there the glory of Jesus Christ is on display. That is what I ask you to do, Father, by your grace this morning. Pray that you would take the preaching of your word and the teaching of your word this morning and accompany it by your spirit with power to implant itself deep in every heart and mind here this morning to open blind eyes To enliven dull hearts, to quicken faith, to create life, to produce lives that honor and glorify you. We are here for your glory. We are here this morning for your glory. We will learn of Christ for your glory. And we will be changed for your glory. Help us to look forward to the work that you are about to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. To start off, I want us to reclaim this morning in our minds and our hearts the wonder of Jesus. The wonder of Jesus. That is in verse 19 where the Apostle Paul writes, For in him, that is in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell Here Paul states that all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell where? In Jesus. See, back then in the region where Paul's audience, the Colossian church, was located, there were people going around saying that different emanations or pieces of God were found scattered throughout the entire universe, right? And so if you wanted to experience the fullness of God, then you had to get in touch with angelic powers. You had to experience private visions. You had to acquire special knowledge. The, the message that was dominating the Colossian culture back then was that the only way you could experience and enjoy all the fullness of God was by experiencing all these diverse spiritual options that were out there. So the, And that's not very dissimilar to the culture in which we find ourselves today. In our pluralistic society, to state that the fullness of God is found in one place, one location, one person, is deemed to be the height of spiritual arrogance. Why, God can be found anywhere, we're told, right? Sure, you can experience a part of God in Jesus, but don't be so arrogant and proud as to believe that you can find all of him there. Why you can also find and experience God in Islam, or Judaism, or Buddhism, or Hinduism. Or even just in nature. Why, even according to the Roman Catholic Pope last year, even in atheism. God is found in all these different places, and what we really need to do is just get together, and maybe by experiencing all these religions and all the spiritual options out there, maybe then we can arrive at a full understanding and knowledge of God. Well, that doesn't work with Christ or with Christianity. Because according to God himself, all the fullness of God dwells in only one place and in only one person in Jesus Christ. When I began my college career at a local college where I was growing up, there was a professor from Michigan State University that was there, and he was teaching, I don't remember, it might have been British literature or something like that. Somehow it became a discussion about religion. And he talked about, you know what, we all just need to get together, and we need to listen to the teachings of the main people in charge of all of these religions, and if we could just grab, you know, Muhammad and Buddha and Jesus and look at what their core teaching was we could just bring that together then we'd arrive at who god is and i was looking around the room in the class and there were some christians kind of shifting uncomfortably but not saying anything so i raised my hand i said i'm sorry but that doesn't work and he said why and i quoted john 14 verse 6 because jesus himself said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by me There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, Acts 4.12 says. Christ doesn't work with any other religion because in him is all the fullness of God. You cannot come to God apart from Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. All the divine attributes can be found in Jesus. And that's what we saw if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks here in this church. In verses 15 through 18 of Colossians chapter 1, we are told that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that all things are beneath him, all things are from him, all things are for him, all things are after him, and all things are by him. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the creator. He's the preexistent eternal one. He's the head of the church he's the victory over corruption and death he is the first of all things he's the preeminent one jesus is god in all his fullness and so to reject the person of jesus christ is to reject god himself if you want to know god fully and be known by him then you must come to jesus christ by faith and to learn from him who is the fullness of god himself And notice God's word doesn't just say here in verse 19 that all the fullness of God dwelt in Christ. It says that all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. In other words, in Jesus, all the divine attributes were not uncomfortable, but rather they were totally comfortable and at home. All the divine characteristics found a perfect and permanent dwelling place in Jesus to express it another way, all of God's attributes are totally at home in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is totally God. That is what the Bible says. As verse 9 of Colossians 2 will say later, For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is God. God Himself in human flesh. If you don't get that this morning then Christmas has no wonder for you at all. Jesus is God, the invisible God made visible. That's the wonder of the incarnation. That is the wonder of Jesus. If the fullness of God can be found in all these other places and in all these other people, like the world is trying to say, then the birth of Jesus means nothing more than the birth of any other person who's ever been born. But if the fullness of God dwells in Christ alone, then the birth of Jesus is the most magnificent thing that has ever come to pass. It means that the eternally preexistent One who is before all things stepped into time and space. It means that God Himself has come to dwell among us, which indeed He has. In Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell bodily. Think about it for a moment. Is this not exactly what was prophesied by the prophet seven hundred years before Christ was ever born? Isaiah seven verse fourteen says this: "The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us." So right there, God promised that He would send, that He would come to dwell with man by becoming an infant son who was born of a virgin. Again, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, which I read this morning, this child that would be born, this son that would be given, would be called the mighty God. This was 700 years before Christ had ever been born. Can you imagine a prophecy that was written in 1300 AD that comes to pass in your lifetime? It would blow your mind. It's exactly what happens with Jesus. 700 years before jesus was ever born and don't take my word for it by the way i came across something interesting this week here's a digital copy of the great isaiah scroll that was uh that was discovered by the dead sea scrolls out in israel And you can find this online. It is a manuscript of Isaiah that is dated to 150 B.C., nearly a century and a half before Jesus was ever born. And in that scroll, you can read the prophecies for yourself that the promised king from heaven would be fully God, born to us in human flesh. And then after nearly 150 years after the manuscripts that you're looking at was written, Jesus was born He was born as the son of a virgin named Mary. To whom the angel in Luke one thirty-five says this, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, for nothing is impossible with God. In other words, this child would be the power of God come to earth incarnate. He would be the mighty God. And that's why over in Matthew's Gospel, in the 22nd verse of the first chapter, which again we read this morning, it reads this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Accurate prophecies. 700 years before Christ came, we can't even predict whether there will snowfall on Christmas or not. So when the rest of the world says, surely Jesus is not the only way to God, surely there's a little bit of God that dwelt in all these other teachers and all these religious leaders, the message of Christmas to our world is no, they're wrong. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If Christmas is to hold any wonder for you, it will not be found in the wonder of presence, or the wonder of snow, or the wonder of family. The wonder of Christmas is found in the wonder of Jesus Christ. God become flesh. This is why we celebrate this year. And this is what we rejoice in. Don't miss it. This is what we sing about. Veiled in flesh, the what? Godhead see Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, Jesus Christ, glory to the newborn king. No matter what our holiday might look like this year, we can and we should rejoice this Christmas because of the wonder of Jesus. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be worshipped. We should rejoice in the wonder of Jesus. Second, we should rejoice in the work of Jesus. This is verse 20. Where God records for us, and through him, that is through Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This verse tells us right here why Christ's first advent happened. Why would Jesus, think about it, the pre existent eternal God that is dwell forever outside of time and space, why would he suddenly enter into time and space? Why would he who is spirit suddenly take on flesh and blood? If it was simply to dazzle the world and to show the world that he existed, he could have done that in any myriad of miracles besides the incarnation. He could have done it with an infinite number of miracles. So why did Jesus, the fullness of God, take on human flesh and become a man, a human like you and me? The answer is so that through him, God would reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now that is a huge accomplishment. That through Christ, through his incarnation and his crucifixion, Christ achieved a means for God to reconcile to himself, not just some things, it says here, but all things back to himself. Go back briefly in your mind's eye to the beginning of it all. God created everything and he looked upon it all and he said it is good. And then God made man and woman in his own image and he walked with them in the cool of the day glorifying him and enjoying his presence in the beginning god said it is all very good when we look at the world that we live in today would you say that it is all very good no you see sin entered the world humanity rebelled and the entire universe was cursed And alienated from God and thrown into chaos and corruption. And the evidence is all around us. 2020, folks, if you doubt the curse exists, look around you. Our hospitals are filled with sick. Our streets are filled with rioters. Our hearts are filled with sin. Our world is broken, not just at a societal level. Our world is broken at a foundational level. We see the reality that Scripture speaks all around us. The wages of sin is death. We are without God and without hope in this world. But God. God did not stand idly by. God did not stay far off from us. Even though we withdrew from Him because of our sin, He has drawn near to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And through the incarnate Christ, God has promised to reconcile to Himself all things. This is the promise of Christmas. This is what we can rejoice in. That though we live in a broken world, this world will not be broken forever. He's going to end the rebellion. He's going to eradicate the curse. He's going to bring this universe back into perfect and pure harmony with himself. There is coming a day when there will be no more sin, no more sadness, no more pain, no more death, no more sickness, no more illness, no more injustice, no more unrighteousness. As one hymn expressed, no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infect the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. That's the idea of reconciliation. It's the idea of bringing everything back into perfect alignment with the character of God. And it all began with Jesus, God the Son, coming to earth as a man for us. The reconciliation of all things began when Jesus reconciled us, when he made peace by the blood of his cross. See, our sin puts us in enmity with God. God is perfect and righteous, and he is just and good, and from his hand we receive our life, our breath, our daily bread. Yet in response we take all of these good and these perfect gifts that he gives us, namely life itself, and we live as if he doesn't exist or is of no worth at all. And rather than praise him and thank him and submit to him as the God that he is, we praise and we thank and we worship other things. We ignore his word. We violate his decrees. We live for ourselves. I want you to think about how momentous that is. God tells the planets where to go, and they go. God tells the waves where to stop, and they stop. God tells us how we ought to live, and we shake our fist at him and say, get out of my life, God, I want nothing to do with you. We are rebels, each and every one of us, who have taken up arms against the king of this universe. And that is why John 3.36 says this, that outside of Christ, the wrath of God remains on us. And yet this is the great mystery of God's love. And this is why we celebrate a holiday called Christmas. Because the king who could have judged us rightly in all of our sins. This king came to be born among us as a servant. To save us from our sins. While we were hating God and hating one another. Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Though there is absolutely nothing in us to commend us to God in love, Jesus was born in a dirty stable to save dirty sinners like you and like me. And that's what this verse tells us. Jesus did not come to create a holiday. Jesus came to reconcile sinners to God. If you do not believe that you're a sinner this morning, Christmas means nothing to you. But if you know that you are a sinner standing beneath God's just wrath, Christmas means everything. Because it means that God has made a way for you to have peace with him by the blood of Jesus Christ's cross. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is why we celebrate. Jesus, that little child in Bethlehem, was the Prince of Peace born to die. To die on the cross to pay for our sins, to turn away God's wrath, and to establish a terms of peace between us and God. And now all those who accept this terms of peace, who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of their sins, will be saved. As Romans 5 1 says this, Therefore, we have, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, verse 11, through him we have now received reconciliation. So that's what we sing about this time of year, though. You might sing the songs and never even think about it. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners what? Reconciled. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. See, this morning, this morning, you can be reconciled to God. You can have that feeling of guilt removed. You can be living at peace with Him without hatred or enmity or fear. You can have a relationship of love and peace with God through Jesus Christ because He paid the penalty for your sins by coming to earth as a man and dying as a man in your place. You can have peace with God by the blood of His cross. As the angel said as we read this morning in Matthew chapter 1, you shall call His name Jesus Yahweh saves. Well, why call him Yahweh saves? For he, Jesus, will save his people from their sins. And you know what? Christ's work of reconciliation in us that we celebrate this Christmas will climax in a work of reconciliation over all things. Paul says over in Romans 8 19 through 21. For this creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, the whole universe can't wait until we, as God's people, are glorified. When we are removed from this sinful flesh and given pure new bodies without sin in it. Why? Why can the universe not wait for our glorification? Because it says it will share in our glorification. Verse 20. For the creation was subject to futility, to vanity, to the curse, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When God glorifies us, all of creation will be glorified with us. It's shared in our curse. It will also share in our glory, in our reconciliation. And so this is the full extent of why Jesus came to earth. As Ephesians 1.10 says, The plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven... And things on earth. Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross. That was not just the watershed moment in human history, but in cosmic history as well. Jesus is the solution and the answer, not just to your life's problems, but to every problem that has ever existed in this universe since the dawn of time. That is why all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him. The cosmic separation that our sin created between God and his creation will one day be no more. As one German theologian, Eric Sausser, wrote, Because of Jesus, the other side will become this side. Eternity will transfigure time. The earth, the chief scene of reconciliation, will be reconciled itself and will become the palace of the universal kingdom of God forever. Because of Christmas. One day all things will be brought again into right alignment with God and His character. Revelation 21, 3-4 says this. And does not your heart long for this? I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. All because Jesus was born all those years ago. This is the wonder and the work of Jesus. This is the reason we rejoice and celebrate because while we are mere humans and sinners, God became a man and died for us that we might have peace with God and that he might reconcile all things to himself. Isn't that wonderful? Second Corinthians 5, 18-20 says for conclusion, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled to himself Reconcile us to himself, and listen to this, and gave us the mystery, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God respond to christ's work of reconciliation that's the best application i could give for you this morning first depend on the lord jesus christ for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of god jesus christ is god in human flesh He is king and lord and he has the sovereignty and the authority and the power to save you from your sins. Depend on him. Trust on him. He is the only one who can reconcile you to God. Worship Christ this Christmas by depending on Christ by faith. Second, declare Christ the lord jesus christ don't just depend on him but declare the lord jesus christ paul just said in christ god is reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation oh believer what message are you going to be sharing this week share the gospel that is the message of christmas Do not be sharing a message of presents or gifts or snow or Santa or any other ridiculous thing. Share the message of Jesus and of Christ alone. The only reason to celebrate, the only reason to rejoice is Jesus. Declare his wonder. Declare his work. And so that's what we celebrate this year, and that is what we delight in. I want you to know there's a lot of things in our world that can be canceled Right? There's a lot of things that we plan to do this year that were canceled. I want you to know that Christmas can't be canceled. It can never be canceled. If you think it can, you've missed the whole reason for the season. It's not about presents or decorations or snow. It's not even about getting together with family, celebrating with food and friends and fun. Christmas has always been and ever will be always about Jesus. As C.S. Lewis put it, it's about how the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. It's about celebrating the wonder of work of Jesus, our Emmanuel. With that in mind, this is the word of God from Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience. To that end, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have had this morning to look upon these truths and remember the glory of Jesus. Father, we thank you that Jesus is not... is not some mere meek and child babe, some poor and helpless thing. But he sits enthroned forever, the glorious Almighty King. Father, we celebrate his wonder today. The wonder of God become flesh for us, so that we who are sinners might be saved. Might be saved. Father, we thank you for the peace that is ours in Christ Jesus. Help us to proclaim the wonder of Jesus this week and the work of Jesus this week to a world that is greatly distracted, to a world that is greatly burdened, to a world that is greatly lost. Help us to share the message of Christ, we pray at Christmas. Give us grace towards this end, we ask in Jesus' name.